right, welcome to the Venue Podcast. This is podcast number eight. We have been away for quite some time. The date is September September twenty third, twenty eleven. Um, you can check us out. Actually, let me introduce our guests first. Then I'll give. Well, now let's do. Am I a guest? You're not a guest. You're a host. Well, our regulars here. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little rusty. Yeah, Brian's our, Brian's our guest. You're our guest. Well, we, you might be a regular one day. Who knows? He is a right. He has actually been on one podcast before. That's true. So That's true. he's not a, you know, a guest guest. But That's true. So our purpose here today is to go over the questions from our webinar that we hosted this week. And also a couple of weeks ago, we had a ton of questions about Venue Cloud. So we're going to be diving into that. Quick introduction to who we have here. So Will Sellers, he's on the other podcasts. He is our senior innovation engineer. Brian Vandegrift is our VP here at uh, Venue. He is one of the chief solution architects. It's my thing. I say that every time. I need to change it up. Chief, what, what do you want to be, Brian? Give me an idea. A chief just sounds good. Just okay, we'll leave it at that. Chief. And I'm Matt. I'm a VP here as, as well over marketing. Um, so let's just dive right in. First question, and I think this is uh, actually this happened. This came up at every single podcast we had. I mean, our every single webinar we had. Um, does each virtual machine need a license, an OS license, and how is that handled? How is that built? How is that um, rolled out onto the VM? Yeah, so I, I think I answered these on most of the webinars where, you know, just by virtualization, it doesn't get you out of having to have a license for each server. Even, even though a server might be virtualized, it's still a server. Uh, you can think of it as if, from a licensing perspective, as if it was a physical server. So, um, you know, if you have to have an operating system and that requires some sort of license, whether it's Microsoft or Red Hat or whatever, you still need the same licensing scheme when you go and um, deploy something like Microsoft SQL or Exchange or Oracle. You still need those same licensing. Um, now, if that technology has some sort of caveat for how it licenses uh, a virtualized server, how it addresses virtual CPUs and things like that, that certainly would apply, right? But... Um, you certainly still have to license every server, every piece of technology that you might deploy that's not some sort of shareware or freeware. Um, at the same time, um, we offer that as a service. So a customer could choose right. to rent that from us, right? right? So all the Microsoft products are rentable uh, from Venue through our SPLA program, uh, just like Red Hat is. Uh, there's some other things that are available as well. Um, but a customer could bring their own licensing um, to the table. That's true, and and a lot of people think you know Linux is free. Well, some of it is Red Hat Enterprise Edition, although it's it's affordable. You know, we still get support for it, and that's one thing that you know is interesting. We do offer a CentOS, which is is free. It's based on the open source model, and although it's based off of Red Hat, you do get a lot of the same functionality. In fact, it's it's a variant of Red Hat that's in the open source community. Um, We do support it running in the VM. However, if we run into an issue that we can't solve, uh, you know, we have to go to the community to, to, to get help with. So it may not be as a quick response to get your problem solved because it is a free operating system, but it's something we'll, that runs perfectly fine inside of vCloud. Right. Very good. Um, and guys, I have to say, these questions are in really no particular order. So we're going to kind of jump around the feature set of vCloud Director and V-Shield, things like that, so uh, so bear with us here. Um, next question here, when you make changes to the firewall, where do those get applied, and is it a software firewall within VMware? I'm, we're talking about vSphere, I mean, excuse me, V-Shield here. Um, Will, you want to address that? Yeah, sure. So V-Shield is a virtual firewall that runs inside the uh, VMware vSphere environment. 
Um, the the venue cloud customer really doesn't have any doesn't see that VM in their cloud. It's something that's abstracted uh, outside of vCloud. It's actually running in vSphere, and any of the settings that get uh, sent to vSphere, uh, or rather the 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 um, vShield appliance, get actually put in the database in vCloud Director. So they are they're not necessarily backed up. They are, but uh, it's not kept on the <clears throat> on the vShield device. You can reboot the vShield device and everything comes up just fine. It also would allow for a lot of fault tolerance. Well, exactly. So, you know, since it's a VM running in a, you know, if you're familiar with uh, vSphere, you know, HA and DRS and all these things that we are familiar with Mm -hmm. inside of the vSphere, you know, uh, family, right, uh, are applicable applicable to uh, a vShield device. So HA, DRS... Uh, cloning, if we need to make a backup copy, we can take a snapshot. All these things are still available. So, you know, taking a look at someone who's running a physical firewall, right. you know, there's advantages. Maybe, you know, you, you can you can specifically get a certain flavor that you want. But really, you know, you really want to take advantage of virtualization. The same way that you would take advantage of virtualization in a physical server realm, you know, the same reasons why you'd want to virtualize a physical server are the same reasons you may want to virtualize a... Firewall. Yeah. So that's that's my take. All right. Here's a good question. Okay. First of all, let, let's say, let's see. I think there were like four questions about the price and cost of Venue Cloud. Just a disclaimer, guys. If you're interested in that, feel free to reach out to us directly. That's not something we're going to publish out on the interwebs um, just because. So anyway, moving on. How do I get existing data onto these Venue Cloud servers? I think there's a couple ways to do that. Um First of all, one of them is to send us a USB drive of the of your data, whether that be just raw data and we need to roll it onto your VM or actual VMDKs, right, Will? Can't we take people's VMDKs and import them into Venue Cloud? Yeah, so absolutely. So there's various ways to get the data into the cloud. The easiest for the customer is to actually upload them, upload the VMs or upload the OVF files or ISOs directly in through the vCloud interface, so the right. website. Um, however, you know, if these are large VMs um, that, that can't be compressed and then rehydrated when, when, when put in cloud, then, you know, I mean, you don't want to move a 300-gig VM over the Internet. That may take a while. You know, it's doable, but you have to look at, you know, what happens if something happens along the network chain, not on the public Internet that breaks your connection between where you're at and our cloud. You have to restart. So in an environment where you want to move that much data, you really want to put it on like a removable disk. And then and then ship it to us, yeah. you know FedEx or, or or however you want to get it to us, and then we'll import that locally in the data center. Um, that's really the easiest way to do it. Now, if somebody's got a physical server, what are, right. or is it still a P to V process that we're advocating? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So you know we we love being able to do that. So we can definitely P to V. We can either P to V from you know directly into the cloud, mm-hmm. or we can P to V locally. And then have the device ship. So, say for instance, a person's at their data center or uh, computer closet at their you know SMB location or whatever. Um, we can ship them a device that they plug into their network or locally into the server. Uh, use VMware Converter, convert that machine from a physical to a virtual image. Ship that changed that VM to us over USB or whatever, and then we import that. You know, copy any changes over. Mm-hmm. So if there's like a file server and server, you know, um, files have changed overnight or something, or over the, the shipping time, we can then restore those uh, deltas and then switch over. Very good. 
All right. Here's a question. And this is, uh, I love this question because it highlights one of the things that I think is the reason to use a, a platform like vCloud v Director. Um, what about setting up sub accounts, sub administrators, et cetera, within our vCloud Director? That that hour, of course, is the uh, the customer asking this question. Any possibility of reselling this service as a service provider, VAR, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's answer the first thing, the first, the first part of that. So, yes, you can do that. You can set up sub-administrators, sub-accounts, all of that inside vCloud Director, and that truly is the beauty of it. And you're able to ac- set those access controls and policies per those users. So you can have a very, very base user that just has access to a particular server. And then you can set more advanced controls for, obviously, other. It's just like your own environment that you have now, but it's all virtualized, right? Yeah. It's it's the idea of the virtual data center. And that's something that VMware has has been talking about for the last, you know, months or if you want to look at it, years. And that's something that we're going to push, you know, look at it doing in our environment as well as, you know, of course, we can house your virtual machines. And that's finally what we've been doing for for years and and new moving into vCloud, but also start looking at, you know, virtual data centers where a customer can have their own environment, whether that encompasses one or two VMs or many VMs in many organizations inside that uh, customer organization that we can facilitate. Mm-hmm. So they get all the benefits of virtualization. They get all the things that, you know, all the back-end heavy lifting we take care of, and they just get the interface and be, be able to use those resources. And it would certainly lend itself to, you know, kind of a partner relationship yes. where someone may want to communicate with us. Um, as kind of a higher level uh, customer and then have sub customers under them, then, I mean, I think that this plays, plays very well into that type of an arrangement where um, our partner would have the access into all of the servers in their environment. Right. And then they could granularly give access to individual servers to their individual customers or and even create sets of servers beneath them, right? And that's right. I mean, it, you know, looking at it from that aspect, you know, from a reseller aspect, yeah. we, we could do a partnership with someone who wants to resell cloud services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, outside of the thinking of a conventional organization and sub-organization, marketing, finance, IT, and so on, someone who wants to host their own platform could do that as well. Well, we have a customer now that uses us for virtual servers, and what they do is they have a... Uh, a box office ticketing application, mm-hmm. right? It's like a uh, Ticketmaster type of an application, but for smaller boutique type of uh, um, venues. And so what they do is their software enables them to do online ticketing where they don't have to go and pay the enormous fees that a Ticketmaster may um, have. Well, they've got a cloud offering, right, that is venue on the back end. We never really interface with the direct customer. They just call us and get another server. Well, it's right. very manual right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it look, and it's a different customer set up inside of our world yep. where this would give them the ability. Next time they need an, another customer uh, set up, they just go set it up. They just go create the next server mm-hmm. in the environment. Yeah, v- vCloud is, I mean, that's what it's really meant to do. It's designed right. to give, you know, our customers the ability to not, you know, unfortunately not have to call us. We'll be like the Maytag repairman. You know, <laughs> we'll just sit there on oh, the machine. The VMs are running. The ESX hosts are good. The storage is there. We, we really can, you know, let the customer do whatever they're comfortable with. Right. You know, of course, if they're if they're not comfortable with managing these resources, we can assist them. We can help sure. them roll out VMs. But really, you know, we can. In, in the demos that we've we've done with people who've seen the product, you know, kind of before we launched, and some of the people we, we've worked with, really, some of them don't even really need to look at the documentation. It's easy enough. It's intuitive right. enough for them to jump in, and in the middle of the night, roll out VMs, set up firewalls, and and then you know get, enable their business. You know so. That's good. Good. 
Support for custom images is available. That was one of the questions we had, and we talked about the uh, the standard OSs. If you have your own OS images that you want to uh, deploy into Venue Cloud, you absolutely can do that. Um, let's see here. So next thing up, what type of backend infrastructure is backing up and supporting Venue Cloud? Um, well, it's the same kind of redundancy, same kind of infrastructure that we use in our data centers right now. Um, and have been on our VMware virtualization farm, um, all enterprise class, uh, the, the actual commercial data centers we are in and own, uh, redundant power, redundant cooling, redundant networking, all of its enterprise class, I think I said that, um, and multiple internet providers too. So there's always pipe. Um, something goes down. We have tons of bandwidth um, backing you up there. So let's see here. Also, from a hardware standpoint, uh, Dell... Um, NetApp from a storage standpoint, EMC, Juniper is our uh, networking uh, platform. I think that answers that. Yep. Okay, let's see here. For DR purposes, now this this is a good thing to address. I think there's a couple questions around this. I think we'll probably just kind of combine all these. Um, for DR purposes, how would you make a copy of our servers in Venue Cloud? Let's also talk about backup and how we back up those servers. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of ways to approach, you know, leveraging the cloud for disaster recovery. Um, one of which is, yes, you absolutely could leverage our backup solutions, right? Because uh, everybody that backs up to us, if you ever have a disaster and those servers that were originally backed up, let's say they're not available, there's a catastrophic event or the catastrophic event is the hardware failure. Um, we have the ability to take the data that's backed up to us and deploy it to the cloud, uh, where we fire up virtual servers. There's a couple different ways you can do that. You can pre-stage them where they're already up and running and tested and you know you already have a plan mapped out as to how you're going to recover the data to them and get all the users back connected to it. Or it can be done ad hoc at the time of disaster. Obviously, if things are staged in the virtual environment, then that recovery is going to happen a lot faster than if they're not staged, then it's going to be built from scratch at the time of disaster. It's going to take a little bit longer, right? So that's one way that we leverage the cloud for disaster recovery. The other way is that you, know, you can use it as if you would use any other physical server and replicate to them. Um, that is certainly available as well. Uh, there's even some now some new tools built into uh, vSphere 5, right? Like vSphere replication. Mm -hmm. um, uh, SRM 5 is out. Not that it's necessarily today um, integrated in with uh, vCloud, uh, but that is coming. And I know it's one coming. of some really neat applications um, for how we'll use yeah. SRM um, and use it with vCloud Director right. um, evolving. But I know that we can still today, I can replicate with something like DoubleTake or WANSYNC or vSphere replication. Um, once, ever, once you get your hands around that um, capability, and uh, it, we can be that hot site for you if you think back to old traditional ways of talking about this, where everything's real-time replicated, but instead of replicating to physical hardware that costs a lot of money to, to prop up, uh, this can be replicated to cloud service. Sure. And, you know, looking at how we do Restart IT, one thing that's nice about Venue Cloud is that you can really do your own testing and development on your own. Um, since you have access to to roll out machines, since you have access to, to to build machines that you will, you can actually do your own DR testing whenever you want. You know, you, as long as you have the resources available to you, you have the amount of VMs that you can provision available. Then, really, testing and development of your DR plan makes it really, really easy. Whether if you're just you know making sure your, your VMs are backed up and, and working well in venue, or if you're taking your physical environment, making sure you have a hotspot at venue that works, you're able to power on those VMs and, and make sure things are working for you. And, and really, and as you're talking about SRM and, and these other tools that are coming out uh, from VMware and other vendors, 
I think someone had asked about Veeam. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, vCloud is such a new environment, and and it's coming out, uh, really the the most powerful version coming out is already out, okay? It just just released from from VMware this this month. Um, We're going to see a whole ecosystem growing around products that are based upon vSphere. So right now there's really no... Uh, backup utility that integrates with the vCloud interface. Nothing in the web in the web panel that lets you say right click backup um, and, and recover my servers. And the next few months, next you know, as as the product matures and as other uh, vendors write applications that are specifically built around VMware and specifically yeah. vCloud Director, we're going to see some very very powerful applications that enable customers to make disaster recovery and backup and recovery a piece of cake. You know. <laughs> We'll be testing a lot of those, so you guys stay tuned. I'm sure you'll see some podcasts and webinars coming up in the next, uh, like Will said, next couple of months. Kind of yeah, and that's, in that, deep on that. that's something I've also. I said something about it earlier this week. I said, you know, virtualization is, is not necessarily. You know, a lot of people will bounce back between what hypervisor is better, and you know, virtualization is a, is a great thing just in general. But you also have to look at the the vendor that's providing hyper your hypervisor your virtualization techniques and, and software. And, you know, a lot of people will argue, well, we want to do Hyper-V or Zen server, but VMware really has an ecosystem that is growing. And I think they're the only, I know they're the only virtualization company that, that has this long-term roadmap that we're going to follow, right? And, you know, virtualization is good, but choosing that vendor, VMware and, and, and Venue, is really where to go. Well, and, you know, that's a good point because when, when you think about other clouds, more commodity clouds that are out there like Amazon EC2, you know, you put a server in that cloud, that yeah. server's there, and uh, there's no easy way to get it out. Exactly. Right? It's kind of proprietary, if you will, with whatever virtualization technology they're using. Um, I think this ecosystem is being built with a vCloud Director partners, the ability to deploy vCloud Director at your own site with vSphere. Um, it gives you a common format that if you want to dip your toe into the water of the cloud, it gives you that yeah. uh, you know easy flexibility to do that. But then when you're ready to get out of it, you can pull those servers back, put them right into your own you know private cloud, and That's keep right. on trucking without a whole lot of problems. Yeah, I definitely agree that the portability is, is is a big thing because I know some places like you know I don't want I mean Amazon's great and all but you know I don't know and I don't know if the public really knows what they're running on what their right. virtualization it could be Zen Server it could be something that they've proprietarily built to host um, your VM so knowing that a company is 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 built upon you know a certain type of virtualization technology and that they're sticking with it and it, they've there's a roadmap to future in that technique right. I think it's really a benefit. Yeah. And especially being able to, like you said, get out. You know, Paul Moritz always right. says, you know, you don't want to be in the Hotel California model where you get in, you can never get out. That's right. Being that, it, you know, VMware has been around for a very long time and, and I think will be around for, for a long time yet to come in that format, the VMDK format or even OVF format that you can move things around is a benefit. Yeah. All right. There were a couple questions about compliance, regulatory compliance, and if vCloud Director and Venue Cloud is compliant. Um Two of which I think we can answer. The other, I think we're going to have to uh, redirect the uh, the question out to VMware's white papers. Um, SOX and PCI. So SOX, Sarbanes-Oxley, absolutely. Uh, it will be compliant for that HIPAA as well, as long as, from a backup standpoint, actually, the data at rest is not necessarily encrypted, right? They would have to use some other tool to encrypt their own data because these virtual servers are servers. Right. So it's the same like kind of concept you have. Data mm-hmm. yep. With a physical server, you can deploy that same software or uh, use hardware encryption, whatever you might choose. It's no real different 
um, with the virtual server. Now, PCI, this one's interesting because yeah. I, I know you're kind of passionate about this. Uh, we get asked this a lot. As a provider, are we PCI compliant? Brian, go. All right. So, you know, <laughs> please understand that I know there's a lot of providers out there that say they're PCI compliant, right? Well, it's really hard as a provider to be PCI compliant as you're hosting somebody else's e-commerce platform that might need to be PCI compliant. So Venue can be PCI compliant for our own credit card processing that we do for our customers. That would have zero to do with, you know, somebody putting an application on our cloud that might be either holding cardholder data mm-hmm. or processing credit card transactions, right? That's so they would need to be PCI compliant, that company running on our infrastructure. Uh, we certainly can help them do that, right? There's tools that are available in the v- cloud director as far as uh, vShield would certainly be involved with mm-hmm. that. Uh, we can certainly help give you a matrix um, that tells you that for you know all the 12 aspects of the PCI compliancy, you know, here's how you'd answer it for the things that we are in control of, physical access and things like that, logging and things like that. But there's nothing that I can do to make sure that your application running on my virtual server mm-hmm. is PCI compliant, right? Yeah. That is kind of outside of our control because you could go into vShield and open up ports that would let the world get into this data. Right. And I have no way to prevent you from doing that. So it's kind of a touchy subject. Obviously, I'm passionate about it. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're PCI compliant for the things we need to be PCI compliant for. And then, you know, the security, the fault tolerance, you know, all the tools that are there, we give you, but we don't do PCI compliance for When, when did PCI compliance really become an issue? I, I know, like, the last, I guess, in about, what, the last three years, I mean, everyone really started worrying about it? I well, mean, here's what's happened is a lot of providers like us, data centers, hosting providers, things like that, they've started putting the stamp of approval that they get because they're PCI compliant for their own credit card transaction processing. Yeah. They get that, and they put it on their website. And then people just automatically think that, oh, okay, well, if I host with you, I'm PCI compliant. But it has nothing to do with it. Right, yeah. right, right. Even if, you know, if your hosting provider is PCI compliant, that has nothing to do with the service they're offering you. Now, they might be able to help you with your your PCI compliancy due to their security, due to their infrastructure, due to the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It might help you or just give you an easy answer to the question in your own PCI audit. So you got to just understand where one entity starts and the other one yeah. Stops, so to speak. So, so you're saying we need to have a podcast specifically on the joys of PCI compliance, Brian? You're saying <laughs> you want to do that? You want to do that? Just you know, sure. I won't be in this podcast, but <laughs> since you're passionate about it, yeah, no, it is it is a touchy subject, um, and we understand it's a big deal for people. And um, they just the problem is is that the PCI standards have not been written for somebody like us yet. They are strictly writ for people written for people that hold credit card data. Uh, for uh, cardholder data and credit card transaction processing, that's what it's written for. Yeah, they're not. There's no thing I can go get as somebody that might be housing an application on infrastructure that is doing those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we I have no control over what the customer does exactly. in our environment. Exactly. Yeah. There was uh, a question about 21 CRF 11 compliance. Don't know. <laughs> So, um, go, yeah, it is. Um, we'll, we'll do some research on this and actually reply straight to this person. Well, here's um, the great thing, too, and I think you know this, Matt, is that VMware has a lot of documentation out there about these, these very issues. Um, yeah, you go out there. There's a couple white papers on their website. Uh, it's in, actually in their technical resources section under security and compliance. Yeah. Um, so go, just go jump out there and go, Google will take you there, I promise. Right. Um, let's see here. Okay, so... Question about Outlook, and uh, there were a couple others about like supported um, 
we've already talked about support OSs, but support applications. Will, are there any real like things that don't work, or is pretty much just a so, green field? So yeah, Outlook. You know, yeah. I mean, in what capacity? I really need to ask. You know, I, I, I think that, they that's, probably that's mean little, Exchange. That's little, about Exchange. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit ambiguous. Of course, yes, we can we can host Exchange servers, no problem. We've been doing that for years in our conventional VMware hosted outside yeah. of cloud environment, so no problems with that. So yeah, Outlook is fine. Um, you know, we don't have a software, you know, we don't, we, 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 you can run whatever you want on the VMs in terms of like applications like Exchange and so on. And we also have our other, if you want to host email with us outside of this environment, that's another thing that, uh, well, I guess we haven't really mentioned during this podcast when we have our, um, our venue cloud discussion If you know, if you, you can host your infrastructure, but if you just didn't want to be in the email business, you can, you can. You can uh, farm that out to us. We'll talk about in that. Our, that's a different discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go down that. Well, let me say this: so there small are business server, 2011. Hold on, just a second. Yeah. So, so operating systems. You know, typically you can run anything that is supported by VMware vSphere 5. So Windows Server, going back to I think uh, NT 4.0. I think actually like Windows 3.1 is supported. I don't think anyone would want to run that. Floppy for that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we have to clock our servers down to run these these VMs. But um no, I, you know, so Windows 2003, Windows 2008, uh Linux's Red Hat CentOS, SUSE Linux, anything that's supported in the VMware vSphere environment, it is supported. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to call venue for operating system support for those particular VMs. Now, of course, we do a really good job at supporting Windows, Windows servers, uh, Linux's servers as well, but if you needed a server that was not under our sphere of expertise, uh, say, for instance, if it was SUSE Linux or Ubuntu or something like that, you know, especially with the, um, the open source type of operating systems, we would need to either rely on the open source community or you would have to get support for that on yourself. Mm. We would support that the VM runs properly, that the operating system is, is functioning properly in a virtual environment, but... When it comes to something like that, you know, some things may trend into gray areas. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, we're going to give it our best ditched effort to try and help you in all situations. Certainly, but we really can't be experts in every OS and in every application that runs in virtualization. Yeah. And you know, Fair from enough. a compatibility perspective, I mean, there's obviously on VMware's website there is the list of the supported applications. Right? Um, we all know there are still some applications out there where they might run. But that vendor still will not support you if you virtualized it on VMware. Right. There are some, and we're not going to name names, that uh, they'll support it running on their own virtualization technology, but they won't support you on VMware. Right. Right. Which is just, uh, that's, and, and to speaking, they're, they're doing that for other reasons. Yeah, and speaking of that, that, that company, mm-hmm. I think they are actually allowing more support for VMware. And when yeah, I, when and I was, we were at VMworld uh, uh, last, last, last month. And uh, there were some things that came up that um, that that particular company is allowing more and more right. friendliness with. Well, VMware. that's what I was going to say. I think that list of things that aren't supported, where you can't get support from that company, um, is dwindling. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Getting, absolutely. It's getting smaller every day. Absolutely. Well, you look at you know definitely looking at virtualization as a trend. You know, some of the things that we've heard is there's more virtualized servers deployed now than physical servers. Right. You know, if oh, you yeah. guys listen to, I don't know if it was Steve Harrods or, or Paul Moritz's yeah. uh, keynote at VMworld, there's actually a significantly amount, more amount of virtualized, virtualized servers being deployed these days than physical by huge amounts. Well, I remember that part of the presentation, and yeah. it was that we passed the point of <laughs> 2009, more, I think. Yeah, 2009, as they were deploying new servers, 
there were more new virtual servers and physical servers being deployed. Yeah. We now last year passed the point where more than half of the servers out there that existed in totality are virtual rather than yeah. physical. Yeah, so the, the vendors that are not friendly to virtualizations, I, virtualization technology, I think, are really line. getting, in, you know, if they're not thinking about right. it, they need to, they, I'm sure that they have already, because uh, if they haven't heard about virtualization, do you really want to do business with a company like that in the first place? Right. Right. You know, so. right. Well, and the other, I think the other aspect or the other answer to this question is there are still certain applications, right? Big power, workhorse databases and things like that that I know people are still reluctant to virtualize. Sure. Just talk, just thinking about the performance. They don't want to see any lag or latency, things like that. I, I'm seeing a big shift in that as well yeah. where people are saying, you know what? Um that's not the case anymore. And that's that, exactly that reluctance. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing is with virtualization and things like vCloud, we can let people see it. Hey, oh, yeah, just, absolutely. Let's P2V the server and see if it runs as good as it does in, uh, in a that physical is absolutely, yeah. That is absolutely correct. Uh, there's really nothing. Once the VM, once the physical server is P2V'd, pretty much it's going to run, well, in the most same. cases, better right. than it is on physical yeah. hardware. And, and you're right. Tier 1 applications now are becoming more and more you know, not only friendly, but robust, tuned, tuned yeah. in a virtual environment, you know. And, I mean, there are some things that you, you, you know, you just don't want to virtualize. You know, when you start looking at grid computing and more like the scientific uh, community and even something like graphics rendering, you know, this type yeah. of thing where, yeah. you know, you, you already have an application that runs virtually in that specialized environment, you know, you may not want to virtualize that. But uh, for IT-centric stuff and the enterprise computing, I mean, you don't, want to not do virtualization yeah i had a couple things uh, i lost my place in our our document here the we've got like four five pages of questions here um Ooh. which has all been good so one of the things that um what you got there well, let's answer this one one of the questions came in this is what are the size limitations of memory and cpus perfect and, and when when the person um yesterday i think it was yesterday asked this um I wanted to give them the specific answers. And to answer this, the maximum amount of CPUs that you can run on a VM in vShield, in um, vSphere and in vCloud, is a maximum of 32 CPUs and uh, 1,111 gigs of RAM. Would you ever do that in the physical world? You can't. Well, you can, but, I mean, it'd be very, very expensive, you know. And, and, and as well in the virtual environment, you know, this, this is, you know, you still have to... Um, you still have to pay for that. That's still the resource you're consuming, right? But you can do it. So you uh, do a those terabyte of RAM. Terabyte of RAM. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn, now, one, now, you 1, know, one thousand and eleven. Where did they get that? I don't done? know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. But the thing is, is you know, a lot of times people will think that they need these mega resources, these monster VMs, as VMware likes to call it. But in most cases, they don't. And all, and I can't think of many applications that require that many virtual CPUs. Um. You know, so so sometimes more is not better. Sometimes you can actually get more robustness, more speed, you know, so on and so forth from a fewer number of uh, virtual CPUs. Uh, we've done tests where we found that actually, you know, four CPUs does not perform better than two CPUs, or even sometimes in some applications, one right. CPU. It depends on the application you're running. Depends on if the application is multi-CPU aware, you know, is multi-threaded. So you have to look at what you're trying to do on the VM, what applications you're running, and that should dictate your resources, not just what you think needs to be allocated or what a vendor necessarily may tell you. have to look at what specific applications are running. Good. I found the question I was looking for. So vMotion, obviously vMotion exists and has for 
a little while now, and it's one of the main, obviously, uh, reasons we go with VMware virtualization. So does that work over the public Internet, though? Can we vMotion one site to our venue cloud? So not yet. And vMotion, in a, in, a, in a conceptual thought process of, of how vMotion works inside of a DRS cluster, um, there's some security issues that you don't want to do. You, yep. you don't really want to, especially for DRSing from some provider to another or from one customer to us. In, in that case, you want to look at something like SRM. In the future, it may be possible. Um, you, you know, inside of our environment, uh, HA and vMotion is in, and DRS is definitely in vCloud, definitely supported. We it's the bedrock of how we do virtualization. Uh, but going from the public internet, from a you know a completely separate organization to us, yeah. not there yet. Now inside of our organization, between our different data centers, oh, right. that's that's becoming more and more a reality due to high-speed internet connectivity, some of the things we're doing with storage, where if we have a VM that's, say, in Baton Rouge, being able to vMotion that to Bossier City or another data center, venue data center, that will be a reality uh, you know, in, 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 soon, right? Not there yet, but it's becoming there for us. So can we use the Venue Cloud web interface for current VMs management instead of vSphere? Yeah, so, so no. Uh, you, you can let me let me back up. The, you know, so so no cloud. But yeah. no second a, thought. A willism sure there. You can. Um, typically, you want to deploy vCloud in a greenfield environment where you're building the cloud from start. If you have an existing cloud um, virtualization infrastructure like vSphere, being able to tack on vCloud, there's some outages yeah. you have to take. There's some downtime because you have to shift the paradigm. You have to shift the the management scheme completely to vCloud, right? Uh, it's something that doesn't, you just don't, it's not an interface that you just point at virtual center and it's vCloud, right? So it's a paradigm and shift of how you think about your resources and management. Right. It, it, it's built upon vSphere and virtualization with DSX, but it's not a, something you just tack on. It's a complete, you know, new way of looking at it. In fact, once you move to vSphere, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, vCloud, you really don't manage your VMs through the virtual center interface anymore. In fact, when you try to right-click and edit settings on a VM that's managed from vCloud, it'll actually pop up and tell you, no, you can't do this. Don't. You know, if you do this, you could run into some adverse effects. Um, but want, want. a person who's wanting to still have a web interface, you know, maybe not ready to move to cloud. So if, if you're an existing customer and you already have virtualization, uh, a cluster uh, at, at venue or somewhere else, you can launch with vSphere 5, a web interface that doesn't give you the same manageable management interface, but you can get to a web virtual center client. With the cloud director, the IT management can provision resources that can be consumed by those business units uh, that gives them more flexibility and con- yep. you know and control of, of what they're doing. Good. All right. Couple quick technical questions here. Uh, what is a typical physical to virtual CPU ratio? Well, that obviously varies, but we've seen numbers like sixty to one, right? Sixty VMs yeah. per physical host. Yeah, it, it it varies of what the the VM is doing. So if you have small VMs running, maybe a web server or a file server, those are not very CPU and RAM intensive. Consequently, you can pack more of those onto one physical host, right? I've seen many occasions where we run sixty, even up to seventy-five VMs. On one physical host, 
just fine. Yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty but incredible. It can, you know, on the same token, though, if you have a whole bunch of machines that are you know high hitting uh, SQL Oracle Exchange servers that require more RAM, more CPU, more disk I/O, of course, then you know you you can you need to scale that properly on your physical hosts. Let's see here. Okay, last but not least, Brian, this one's for you. Okay. You're gonna love this. Great. What's the difference? It's like Jeopardy, right? What's the difference between Venue Cloud and Amazon? That's correct. Um, No. So truly, my question to you, what's the difference between our cloud and uh, Venue's cloud? That is our cloud. Amazon. And and you should should coach all these answers in the form of a question. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to phrase this one in the form of an answer. (laughs) I will phrase it in the form of an answer. Um, so, look, I think Amazon, uh, you know, many, many people use Amazon's cloud. And I think there's definitely a place for that cloud. And um, I, I primarily think it's out there for test and dev, right, early stages of testing, because it, is, it can be very inexpensive due to their billing model. Uh, Venue's billing model is kind of built more for our typical customer who wants more of a cost predictability. Predictable, yeah. Right? But they also mm-hmm. want to know what their resources are. Right. They want to, you know, let's say they want to serve with 32 gigs of RAM. They want to know they have access to 32 gigs of RAM at all times. Uh, they want to know what that's going to cost so they can budget for it. Where Amazon, it really can fluctuate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you're built on how many clock cycles you're utilizing, the reading, then the writing of disk. Rather than you have 100 gigs of storage or a terabyte of storage, you're billed on the reading and the writing, which if something is highly utilized, you could pay an enormous amount of money. Um, what's the term you use? The you can fa- get tech crunched. The failure of oh, success. Oh, yeah, techcrunch.com, you know? absolutely. Right. So, I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you do some of that research, there's companies that they started you know testing and developing in uh, the Amazon cloud and then uh, had a nice article written about them or a blog or somebody said, hey, go check this application out. People go check it out. And then the company gets an enormous bill. Sometimes they have to go get... Uh, second and third rounds of funding right. yep. to, to be able to pay hosting, the Amazon yeah. bill. The failure of success. The failure mm-hmm. of success, absolutely. Yeah. So where venues, we build a little different. We build on how many processors do you want, how much memory do you want in the server, how much storage do you want mm-hmm. access to for your storage. The in and the out, how, how much it's utilized doesn't affect the bill. It's more of a uh, paying for the resources. Um, so I think there's a place for the Amazon cloud, and that's in the early test dev. But if uh, we've actually done the cost comparison, our costs are really very they parallel. Typically, yeah. If you're going to use something pretty significantly throughout the month based on the resources that you've allocated to it, if you're going to actually use them all month, as you would in a typical corporate environment, then it's going to work out to be about the same, even right. though you know they're pennies per this and pennies per that. Yeah. Also, Brian, you know the flexibility of of, of venue uh, I find is is fantastic. Whereas you know if you have a problem with your billing, if you have a problem with your your, your VMs, or or need to speak with someone, right. you know we're, we're one phone call away. Right. And this is something that actually a couple of people brought up to me, um, and I think both you guys or one of you guys at at our booth at VMworld was that they did not want to work with a large outfit like say an Amazon or somewhere something like that right. they wanted to stick rigid they, yeah they yeah. wanted to stick with somewhere that there was some flexibility yeah. um, you know and I think that's something that, that we do very very well is, is yeah. work with our customers if a customer comes to us and says listen I've got a problem I'm gonna need this you know I want to do this this and this we can build a, you know more of a custom solution for them Absolutely. we'd like to do the 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 um, you know kind of the cookie cutter approach that's very easily and scalable but when a customer has a specific need or needs custom help with an application, well, not necessarily application development, but with a solution, right. 
uh, we have a team of people here at Venue that are they're experts in, in Exchange, you know, uh, Linux, SQL Server, and so on that we can utilize to build them a custom real people. Get them, yeah, real you people. You can talk to exactly. Absolutely. Well, and that's yeah, that's 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 great. You can talk to a live human being at Venue twenty four seven. Exactly. There, there, there's no outsourcing of any of the help desk of any of the support teams. It's all people who are here and work here all the time. Um, you know that that's a great point. And I use the term the technical creativity that we have. Um, sure. You know, I, I know that me and my team, um, the common question that we ask is, look, what are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Right. Because it may be that you come to me saying, look, I want to leverage your your cloud um, and get some resources from you. We typically in some part of that conversation, say, what are you trying to accomplish with that? Because, look, it may be that I need some cloud, some co-location, some backup and recovery, some restart IT. I might need some of all that component. Um, those component services to really give you a great solution. Um, I think that's different. We're not just a cloud provider. We own data centers. We have IT resources. We do backup. We do all these different things. And it's very rare, i found, that I make this cookie-cutter thing and people need just that. Could you say that? Could more. you say that Venue is the venue for all your IT solutions? You I think you can. I think you did. <laughs> yes, we did. So, you know, I think that makes us different in the yeah. fact that we are. You know, there's a uh, a broad spectrum of solutions that we can provide, and we grew up as a solution provider. Right. So we we just have that in our makeup. Where we're always thinking about how do we take these tools that we have in our tool belt and bring them to bear on an IT problem that somebody may have, and we really come up with the best solution that's got the best price and um, meets. It kind of meets you where you are. You know, we can be as much or as little as you want. And I think vCloud is a great example of that. Is through that vCloud infrastructure, you can completely do self-service. Yep. Right? You can never call us after you get your initial contract created. Um, or you can use us for everything that you might need for for forever. October 3rd, we're going live with Venue Cloud. It's our version one. Obviously, vCloud Director has been out, I guess, two years now. They're on 1.5, but we're rolling out 1.0 for us. Right. And over the next couple months, years, of course, we'll be adding these other features. So Rev 2 will probably hit, hopefully, this winter. Um, yep. We'll start to see some of that functionality show up. Yep. So, so we have a, so, so there's, a, for us. there's a countdown clock on VenueRocks.com. We showed that on our <laughs> webinar yesterday. But uh, So we've got, we're, we're waiting for it, too. We're excited about it. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, Will and Brian. Absolutely. Um, Great job on this. Uh, We'll be having more webinars coming up, so you can go check those out at venue.com. We have a little sign-up form at the very, very bottom of the homepage for whatever the uh, the latest webinar is. I think we have our next one's going to be November 17th, something like that. Obviously, you can reach us by email, phone, whatever. Actually, like Brian said, we're real people. We love talking to real people, so just just buzz us and we'll uh, we'll help you out. We're on Twitter, so well, most of us are on Twitter. Brian is uh, hey, he's a laggard. He's not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. The uh, the Magic Quadrant. Yeah, you know right. the Gardner Magic Quadrant. Will and I are up here in the right. <laughs> <laughs> you're Great. you're one of those, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll find him on Twitter at W Sellers W S E L L E R S. You can find me on Twitter as well at V M A T T I C V Matic. And of course, Venue is out there. V E N Y U. Our web address, like I said, venue.com. VenueCloud.com will be the home address for uh, Venue Cloud. So check that out. Again, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.